Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that you can still play pretty poor defense and get a shutout on the weekend. So uh, that's uh, that's really impressive, uh, especially in this league. I don't I don't care what uh, team you're playing against. So um, yeah, if I'm Weldy uh, sitting here with Andrew uh, talking about uh, all things Husky hockey here, college hockey over the weekend and. Uh, Huskies split against Colorado College, which you called. So, um, you know, I will go ahead and add in some 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 claps here. At uh, uh, no, at, uh, I, I don't relish the. Uh, I, I, and I didn't call a split. I, I just said they wouldn't get six points, the Huskies. But I, I do hate that I'm right all the time here. My uh, my fear of <laughs> that's so annoying. My, my fear of a letdown this weekend. Uh, that fear was well grounded, I suppose. And I had that same feeling the Bemidji series is, if you remember. So, yep. Uh, I'll say this: I I'm actually feeling somewhat confident about this weekend against Denver. So maybe the mojo works both ways. So okay, I'm not going to call a sweep for the Huskies, but they're going to at least get a win and I wouldn't be surprised if they get the majority of the points this weekend. I, they don't, uh, they struggle to when, when, when they're playing a big matchup, when there's like a, a kind of a, a hype series, I, I have confidence in this team. It's, it's the CCs and the Bemidji series of the world that I worry about. And so I, I don't think they're going to have any issue getting up against Denver. And I, and I do think that's going to, get them at least one win this weekend. But let's uh, not get too far ahead of ourselves. We can we can go back and recap the uh, the CC weekend first. How about? Yeah, it was... <laughs> I mean, games of hockey were played, I guess. Um, you know, start out here Friday. Friday, you know, Huskies came out like a buzzsaw. Um, really controlling yep. the play, really dominant, really looking good. Um, and I was a little bit concerned because we were generating a lot of chances and then nothing was really falling into place. Um, until late, uh, in the first period, Crookshank gets a goal and it's finally, okay, the dam broke. Let's, let's continue. And, and, uh, let, let's take this team apart here. Continue. They're not going to be able to stand. We're, boom. Win. Um, yeah, that changed <laughs> really in the, uh, in the second period and, uh, the rest of the game, it was, it, it was really frustrating game to watch. And it, it, it felt like you, you give a team these chances, um, with, uh, the two power plays back to back scoring a five on three goal, the power, it just brings me right back to Miami. You can't give bad team which isn't fair because I don't think Colorado college is a bad team. And I don't know where you stand on your Colorado college, but it like any, any team you can't give these moments to because in at college hockey is just so deep that there you take advantage of it. And, and they definitely did with that five on three, then a power play goal, a, 
you know, a minute later. And then after that, it just looked like the winds were out of our sails. Um, you know, I know we racked up a lot of shots there in the third period with 14. I didn't think many of them were that dangerous. Um, even with, uh, you know, Vernon and net, which, um, after Umberico took a shot and had to see a dentist. So, but, um, just, you know, Friday, uh, it was, it was a little disappointing how everything kind of fell into place after just a heck of a start. Yeah, it was, uh, it was disappointing for sure. I, I, that first period, especially looking so good at someone that was expecting a letdown, seeing the first period on Friday, was like, oh, well, maybe I was just uh, fearful of nothing because that was a pretty dominant uh, period possession-wise and and chances-wise. You know, more shots in that period than they got in the entire go-for-home game that they had the the Saturday before. Uh, And, you know, it's in retrospect, it's disappointing they didn't get more than one. I think you get out of that period... You know, up to I think the uh, the game because it really does hinge. Uh, the turning point is the the bushy penalty, uh, and you mentioned the Miami loss from a month ago. Common denominator in those games is those games turned on a pretty reckless Brendan Bushy penalty, an unneeded, uh, just just sort of thoughtless penalty, uh, and. Then on top of that, the 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 second penalty, right after the you know, maybe thirty seconds in after the bushy call, gets it to be a five on three, and CC's able to score on both ends of that uh, and take a lead. Um, and from that point on, just the Huskies seem to be much more listless, as you mentioned. I, I thought another golden opportunity is when Imberico had been playing very well. I thought he played very well all weekend. Uh, but he leaves in favor of a cold, um, lesser goalie in, in Vernon, a guy that they've lit up in the past. I don't think they did. You know, I mentioned those shots. And, and, and I thought Vernon did play well. He, he Especially in the third, he was able to limit rebound chances. But kind of quality opportunities, I don't think, were, were really generated by the Huskies. So really really good you know first five minutes prior to that bushy penalty the second period i thought the huskies really were in control as well so really that first 25 minutes were you know excellent hockey from this team but the the resulting 35 of that game uh were were not great and i actually thought they played worse on saturday i thought the the huskies played one of their worst (laughs) games on saturday uh of the year yeah certainly the worst the worst they played in a win this year yeah defensively as you mentioned was was a mess uh offensively was i and you know once the kupka goal goes in the second goal then you know halfway through the third period that was a big relief because i was just waiting for the cc goal to tie it and then i i would have expected them to win that game had they tied it up it was kind of like one it was one nothing huskies in the third is like next goal wins this game if cc's able to tie it they're probably gonna be able to to win but if the huskies can can score then they'll they'll be able to pull away which the latter uh thankfully is what happened um and they're fortunate in that they were playing cc you mentioned you know calling cc a bad team i 
I don't think I would call them a bad team. I don't think I'd call them a good team. Yeah, they're either. not. I wouldn't call them a good team either, though. I mean, they're they're fairly average. I think a good team would have won that Saturday game. And they're 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 fortunate that they weren't playing a better team that was able to smell blood and and jump on a, a, a vulnerable team, which the Huskies I thought were on Saturday. You know, so what what's the issue here? Uh, and and that's not to say CC's not. Without talent, I, like I said, I do. I do like Embarica. I think he's a good goalie for them, and I think he's going to be a good uh, presence for them in net for the next couple of years. And those guys like McCown and Laba, uh, Cooley had a good game. Um, you know, these, these guys are some some decent players. I would give them another you know, like next year. I would say they they could legitimately contend for an NCAA berth. Uh, they are still very young too, so uh, factor that into the. Uh, equation as well but as far as from the huskies perspective uh we got to look at special teams again you know as you mentioned on friday night two for two colorado college was on the power play which you know basically was the the difference in the game and huskies again with power play troubles of their own um you know Scoreless on the power play on on Friday and, and on Saturday as well, just with the one chance on Saturday. So, no power play goals now for what five games? Uh, Miami was the last one. The first game the against, first Miami game against Miami was Miami. the last one. So yeah, five game drought. Uh, yep. on the, I uh, power I took play. a I took a peek uh, just looking at the losses, and you know, may, sure you can kind of say it maybe a little bit of confirmation bias, uh, but. In the losses um, this year, on the power play, the Huskies have been three for 24. Um, they scored on uh, the power play against Bemidji, Western Michigan, and Denver. Um, they didn't score against Minnesota or CC um, or um, Miami, obviously, on that uh, second game. In the penalty kill... Uh, they, the opponents are 12 of 28. So, so the, oppo- so the, on losses, the Huskies penalty kill is clipping at a 57% kill ratio. That's abysmal. Yeah, it's a gaudy number and, and certainly, uh, concerning. I'm more concerned with the power play, frankly. The, the struggles of the power play penalty kill can be a little fickle. I think as a stat, I mean, we've seen this team play in good waves of, of special teams action. It took them until the fifth game of the year to give up a power play goal. First four, go, first four games, they were perfect on the penalty kill. So they've, and I don't see anything in the, really in the structure of the power play or the, excuse me, of the penalty kill that, uh, makes me believe that things are discombobulated or that there's a, you know, a personnel issue. I, I Those... don't think it's a personnel. I do think they tend, they, they may get a little shorthanded goal. Happy really? Or I, looking I, I, for I, it. I, I think they, I think they, I don't know if over pursue is the right word, but I think they get maybe a little bit too aggressive um, at, at times. And um, some of the decision-making there. It can be. Yeah, a that's bit that's definitely a theory. And I did we see that the Cranel breakaway on Friday was that the shorthand? I believe that was a shorthand yep. chance. So I mean, yeah. And, and then Colorado College came down and scored right after right. that. Right. 
So yeah, you're, you're you're wondering if uh, you know if they're able to pop in these shorties if that makes the penalty kill struggles less uh, you know seem less bad. But that yeah that certainly could be a, a an issue. I, I would the the personnel and the setup those are the kind of the problems I have with the power play. Um, it, it seems to be a, in a rut, a creative rut because it seems like they're. Yeah. They're they're trying for the same sort of play here. The uh, you, you get it to a guy on the dots, either either Cranola or Mietnin um, uh, on on one of the dots for a one time chance, and they don't seem to be trying anything else other than that. Uh, and it's just not working. We saw Mietnin um, getting moved off that. Uh, that international line, not the first time that's happened this year, had uh-huh. paired up with uh, with Ingram, who, which clicked in that Bemidji game uh, a couple months ago. Uh, and so I think it's partly a demotion. Mietnin's... I'm at the point with, with Mietnin that I'm not even angry at him anymore. Like, I, I just, I accept <laughs> the fact that he's... You're just, just not you're not mad, you're just disappointed <laughs> i'm not it's i'm almost, I'm almost beyond that just, I, I just don't think he's that good he's a pretty one-dimensional player and that one dimension has uh, i think fallen off a cliff and so he's just not a consistent threat anymore he's a consistent he's consistent at his effort at what he's trying to do it's just a failed effort and it's not working and it needs to change uh, but We've had, we've had him for almost three years now. This is not a small sample size issue, uh, and so yeah, I, I'm 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 fine with with trying to find some different chemistry with him. But at this point, I just kind of have resigned myself to the fact that the the pod, the Omaha pod from a few years ago, I think was the mirage, uh, <laughs> and and to sort of start his career on that, I think maybe set us up for some higher expectations than were deserved. And so it's just frustrating. And, and I think, but that sort of encapsulates a lot of these power play frustrations for me is because it's just a lack of, of uh, adjustment uh, with the, uh, with the game plan here. And so I, that's, that's the more concerning thing for me. I, I think that they can tighten up the, the penalty kill. Uh, I have more confidence in them being able to tighten that up than the power play. But maybe that sounds weird because you know the power play is still with these late, you know, recent struggles is still you know top twenty in the country. I think uh, nationwide in their penalty or excuse me their power play percentage, whereas their penalty kill is more I think bottom half of the league, bottom half of the country I should say. So perhaps the stats don't uh, back up my assertions here, but. I just feel like uh, power play is where you can really make the difference in games. Um, so many games being one goal game, especially in this league, being able to convert on these chances is going to be paramount yeah. against teams like Denver uh, coming up. Uh, you, you can't waste those sort of opportunities. And so I hope they can figure some things out and, uh, I don't know if that means some trying trying some new players. We've seen guys like Sulquist uh, have their try at the power play. I'm not sure if that's the solution. Um, but um, out of 
anything that Brett Larson has done coaching wise, the, uh, I don't know, love affair, I guess, for Solquist, I, I don't understand. It's a head scratcher. It's, it's like, uh, like he's got zero points, um, on the, on the season. He's out there on, you know, getting power play time. Um, you know, trying to be a roadblock in front of the net there at five, eight. So it's not like he's that big of a roadblock. So it's, I, I don't understand exactly, you know, I, I get that, you know, he, he, he's, you know, kind of maybe your, your grinder type and, you know, put him out there if, you know, you need some kind of, uh, you know, a face off win or something along those lines. But even that though, he's 50, 50 this weekend in face offs, you know, so it's it not was, like he's dominating there. I mean, during the, I think Friday game during the hockey and chill segment on, on TV, uh, called, called him the what best player best. in college hockey without a point, which I'm not sure is even accurate because with the way he phrased it, that would, you would have to include goalies in that <laughs> players with zero points. Like, if you would have said forwards with zero points, then that's more of a damning with. Okay. I think you're reading. I think you're reading too if, much into that. I'm wondering if that's more code of I'm going to give you a backhanded compliment here or if he actually meant it. That's that's that was my confusion because it's like that's not yeah. what you want to say, really. But uh, yeah, I I mean, who else is really I mean, we've seen I, I would say Molinar has stepped it up in the last couple of weeks uh, mm-hmm. and, and has had some some good performances had a good weekend. This but weekend at the well. same time, you know, on Saturday he had that breakaway. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get excited. I mean, I saw it him go and I'm like, it, well, and, like, and he fires it high and out of play, <laughs> not even a shot on goal on a breakaway. It, it gave me uh, vibes of me as a player, which is not a good comp. Um, I was a C Bantam, uh, and uh, I would do stuff like that. <laughs> just like gotcha. have an opportunity <laughs> like that. There was one time in squirts and in-house squirts. It was like the, the Hastings tournament. So it was like you know, a decent crowd too and some pressure. And I got like, I got tripped on the breakaway. So they gave me a penalty shot and I was so jazzed up that I think I went before like the, the ref blew the whistle to go. But I was so jazzed up that I went, and I didn't hit, I don't think I missed the net, but I didn't score. But then somehow my dad was the coach. I think he was like, oh, he went before the whistle. You need to give him another shot. So somehow it was complete <laughs> BS. They gave me another Ooh. chance. They gave me two, a second chance on a penalty shot. Oh, wow. And really? I missed the second one, too. So I missed <laughs> twice. Again, I don't think Over I fired two. it. I don't think I fired it high uh, and wide. But still, that's the kind of thing that that I would do on breakaways. And so, yeah, I, I actually had to chuckle at that one. But uh, hmm. but, you know, yeah. he, he has played better the last. But I'm saying, like, who else is banging down the door here for minutes from the uh, from the forward position? You know, Brand. Uh, we saw him get benched in favor of Rogers on Saturday and, and Rogers has had some moments, but it's not like he's lighting up the score sheet either. 
there's not seemingly among you know, and we've seen good performances from Spellacy of late, but it's not like he was some you know <laughs> tough to defend uh, offensive juggernaut at any point in his career here. So hard to make the case that he is going to carry this team uh, offensively. You know, we, we've talked about the struggles of Ingram uh, kind of adjusting to the college level. I mean, yeah, Sol, it's easy to say Salquist uh, isn't doing much here, but you know, who's really deserving of his minutes at this point? I, especially, I, especially as a center. Especially as a center. I mean, I mean, that's especially the if thing. you're going yeah, to move which, Ingram which, off which, center again, too. I have no problem with his play overall, but him on the power play it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Or him as like especially an with attacker, which has happened in the past too. And it's so like it doesn't it's, make sense. Yeah. So it's you know when I was looking over you know on the power play, I was struck by how many just bad decisions that we make. We do have that over reliance on that one timer, which I went back and counted all the power play goals. The nineteen that we've had, it's worked a grand total of four times. Um, and nearly all of the times, um, that we've had, you know, not nearly all of the times, but obviously, you know, where the goals are coming from in the power play, they're coming in from in close or right in the middle of, of the slot. Um, we don't have any, you know, kind of on the near side, kind of in, um, Ingram spot. He he feeds, he'll get it some, some tips and whatnot, but, um, you know, even, you know, I, I would say the closest was probably that Bemidji, that first, uh, or not Bemidji, the St. Thomas game, where Ingram, you know, I think he scored in the first one. I think that's the closest on that side that scored a goal. But, I mean, we're not working it in low. We're not getting, you know, we're over-reliance on the one play that everybody knows is coming, and we're not effective at it even if we do hit the net, which, you know, times you know, rings around. So that's yeah. annoying. Um, it, so that's... You know, we we got to shore up some of these areas, especially, you know, with, with Denver coming to town and talking about those bad passes. You know, if we go to go to that that Saturday game, I just I just felt we couldn't connect a pass. I don't I, I sent out a tweet that said uh, Reiners is the only defenseman I haven't sworn at <laughs> because because I it was unexpectedly. I thought Trable had some very bad plays. Bushy, you already talked about. He had a terrible weekend. Weekend, yes. Um, Anhorn, um, I thought played pretty good, but had some glaring mistakes that almost cost us. I, per- Peart, yeah, Peart. Sorry, Peart didn't seem like he handled the puck very well yeah. at all. Um, you know, Meyer was Meyer was pretty solid, but I still, you know, cursed at him a couple of times too. So it's. You know, it, it was a very uncharacteristic weekend, um, you know, after, you know, our defense played absolutely lights out the weekend before. And, you know, leaving these three points on the table on on Friday's game um, is, you know, really hurts those chances for that Penrose. So that's, um, you know, we got a lot of ground to make up and I, I, outlook is bleak. So, so we'll we'll see what we can do here this weekend. Uh, Caster gets the nod on Friday. Now, I don't think it was Caster's fault that uh, that that we lost. 
Um, Bassey got the shout out. I don't think he stood on his head or anything. Um, you know, so it's kind of a weird thing where he got the shutout, but the defense didn't play incredibly well, but didn't also give a lot of chances. I don't know. It was it was kind of weird. I was more, you know, a little upset with their offensive and neutral zone play um, as, as far as the defense goes. In the defensive zone, I thought we were, you know, pretty good overall. Um, but as far as, you know, the goalie rotation, I was team give Bassey the start on Friday. Um, yeah. well, that Brett was, yeah. went back to the Brack, uh, Brett went back to the goalie rotation. Um, and now shut out on Saturday who starts, uh, this next game on Friday. I do think that, I do think that you owe Bassey a full weekend. Um, now that caster has done that and looking back at the Denver series from earlier this year, I do thought, I did think that Bassey slightly outplayed caster even though that was the game that St. Cloud lost. Uh, so, and yeah, as you mentioned, just coming off a shutout, his last game here, the Saturday game against CC, I would try Bassey on Friday. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he continues the rotation, but especially now that you've given Caster the chance to do a full weekend, I mean, and this isn't going to say, this is not to say nothing, you know, this is to say nothing bad about Caster, but Look at the numbers. Bassey's numbers are still better than Caster's. He's got a lower save percent or lower uh, goals against, and he's got a higher save percentage than Caster and a couple more shutouts as well. So um, I do think that he should be able to get a full weekend here, and uh, this is, I think, a good time to do it. Coming off the shutout and played yeah. well against Denver the last time. Try it on Friday. If if Bassey doesn't play well, you can always go back to, to Caster on Saturday. But... Um, I, I do think Bassey has earned a full weekend here. And, I agree. And so, yeah, I, I would I would do the Friday Saturday, or I would do Bassey on Friday and see how he goes and potentially give him the start on Saturday. That's what I would have done this last weekend too. And like I said, I don't. I agree. I don't think that that Caster was the uh, was the problem on Friday. Um, and but so, um, but here's another weekend that you can do that with. But I, I'm not going to be totally upset if i see caster on friday either again he's he's still got a sub two goals against and a 920 whatever save percentage so, so it's not like we're throwing in it's not like we're uh, north Dakota and throwing in our third stringer uh like they did on uh, on saturday uh which did not go well for them as it turned out <laughs> um but uh Weird. uh yeah oh you didn't know that uh, it was yeah it was <laughs> desperation is a stinky cologne, uh, a wise man once said, and mm-hmm. going with their third stringer and giving up seven goals, although their defense didn't help. That was, either, that was my nickname in college. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, it was, it, it was a tough weekend. I like, let's not, I, I do think, you know, the, the disaster was averted by getting off the mat and, and scoring those, those, insurance goals you know, in the third period on Saturday. I don't know if you wanted to. Which, which also, you know, I thought that, you know, in the third period, I thought passes started clicking and like the whole game, I thought kind of came to the Huskies a little bit better. I thought, um, you know, Kupka's goal there and that feed from Kirkshank, I thought was, was an awesome play. Um, and so able to, 
um, you know, finally just kind of everything clicked just for one reason or another. So um, I did notice that in the minute or so of power play time that the Huskies did get, Mietnan was on the other side of the power play. Now, I don't know if it was because it was just of jumbled lines and whatnot, so I do wonder of that going forward or going into this next series, if that's going to be the case, and they're going to try a new tactic or something new, because I do really hope something changes in uh, the setup and how they approach the power play here this weekend. Yeah, I uh, I was going to mention, I, I don't know if we want to feed into our um, player of the weekend, but... Uh... Let's do it. I was, Our Go Huskies Woo Player of the Weekend. Uh, Andrew, what do you got? I was really impressed with uh, Kupka this weekend. I, I thought he was oh, okay. their best player. He had a shift on Friday night. I can't remember if it was in the second or the first period of the uh, early in the second. But it was a man on man on a mission shift. He was all over the ice creating all these kinds of chances. And uh, it wasn't... It, 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 he did not score or there was no goal on that shift, but it was just one of those shifts where it's just like, he kind of stop and admire it for a little bit. And then to see him you know, come through on Saturday, uh, obviously with that huge uh, second goal for the Huskies, um, which was, you know, like I said, a, 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 a giant goal for them. Uh, and then adding assist uh, with Crookshanks, uh, the third goal there. So it gets two points on Saturday, gets rewarded, I thought, uh, playing a really good weekend, which I think that line has been the best best line of 2023 so far for the Huskies, yes. just in the in the two series. Obviously, it's not going out on too much of a limb. They've broken up the international yeah. line. Uh, and I guess that Spelsey line is, is up there uh, gaining others receiving votes in, in our little uh, <laughs> impromptu poll of the best lines here. But, but that line I thought was consistently generating chances against the Gophers. And I thought in both games here against CC, they were the best line doing that as well uh, against the Tigers. So uh, I've really enjoyed watching Kupka's progression. You know, this is a guy that last year we were sort of scratching our heads. He was sort of in the Mason Sulquist uh, role last year for us. Uh, yeah. And he's really stepped it up. Um, you know, working through an injury uh, that I think the his absence was was felt by this team did miss him in those three weeks or so that he was he was out in November, but coming back since then, uh, he's not going to lead your team in scoring necessarily, but um, but he's gonna he's gonna have an impact, and uh, we saw that this weekend, and if he does come back for that that extra year next year, um, it, it is possible that he you know. Puts up a like a Fitzgerald type season as his uh, for his last year. I wouldn't be shocked. the The development has has been uh, steady here. So I got. Kupka. I mean, I'd be shocked. <laughs> if I, I mean, if it's Gerald type season, well, I'd be shocked. <laughs> yeah, maybe not a thirty. But I know what you mean. Year, but I don't know twenty five points plus. Uh, I mean, to be fair, like I guess he has he has sixteen and sixteen so far this year. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Point per game player. Maybe 36 yeah. ain't uh, that far off. But Maybe not. So again, not get too far ahead of ourselves there. We don't even know if he'll come back for that fifth year. But uh, good weekend for Ky- Kyler Kupka, and he is my player of the weekend. How about you? Gotcha. Um, I kind of went probably a little bit more bo- boring and a little bit more by the book, but I picked uh, Kirkshank. Um, I thought as of 
um, somebody who I thought had good effort all weekend and was rewarded um, also on the points. Um, I thought he was probably the the most all around uh, player for the for the Huskies on the weekend. So that's uh, that, that's my pick and uh, his uh, his his feed and his goal there on 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 Saturday was really able to to put that put that one away. Uh, Go Huskies Woo uh, actually threw that over um, to somebody you shouted out uh, a little bit earlier, uh, but he is going with Joe Molinar. Okay. Um, for for the weekend, uh, just kind of solid on both ends, um, notched in a couple of points. So, um, airmail uh, <laughs> breakaway aside. Uh, he was go husky. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's going to be uh, picked for uh, any shootouts uh, in in future games here, uh, shootout opportunities. But um... uh, oh, like honestly, I I am thinking, you know, because I went back and looked at all of the highlights and all of the power play goals, and 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 I was able to track that down. I actually have a supercut like ready to go. I don't know if I'm going to post it or maybe do like a longer form video of just kind of seeing what I'm seeing on the power play. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but I've got a list of all the power plays, like clips one after another, boom, boom, boom. Right. Um, and it's, I'm thinking about doing that for, um, odd man rushes, uh, for, for St. Cloud. But I think that clip might be about 20 seconds long. Like we had, there was the odd man rush against Minnesota that, that, um, at Mariucci where they scored, where they scored. Yep. I don't remember oh, the last one. Yeah, You're talking about odd man, like when they score, when they actually score, when they score. Yeah. Cause I'm saying if yeah. you're going to, I thought you're gonna do the super cut of all the odd man rushes that they've not scored. Which would oh, be a lot, lot, no. lot longer than twenty seconds. A lot longer. I I felt like for St. Cloud State having the mo of being a like up and down fast, you know, turn and burn type team. We definitely aren't this year, and and which, which is not converting. Which is, I think we're getting which is the fine, chances. But you we, yeah, even, well, we're not converting. You can do a super cut of breakaways where they've not scored, which it seems to be a bunch. Salquist yeah, himself has had two or three. I know he had one in Wisconsin, and I think the weekend after against Mankato, he he had breakaways that he didn't score. Um, Cranola we saw this weekend, as we mentioned, with the shorthanded mm-hmm. chance. You know, I think Miller's had a couple of those shorty breakaways that he hasn't scored on. It's yeah, Miller Miller has had a couple of shorthanded breakaways. It's probably a good that's... thing that we haven't played any shootouts because. This is like back in the Motsko days, man. They never would win shootout, never even score in shootouts. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So, uh, transitioning. Speaking of transitions, uh, let's head over to this weekend. Uh, we got we got Denver, league leading Denver coming to town, fresh off of an onslaught of goals. What they scored fourteen last weekend against Miami. It wasn't as bad as nineteen to one. Uh, the the Saint Cloud Miami weekend from last year but oh, that's it's true pretty close 14 rip you know perfect seven nothing games each night against miami consistent yeah uh another humbling weekend for miami but and you see it you know st cloud losing to miami denver's seeing this and saying this is how you handle 
this is how you handle <laughs> the Red Hawks. Uh, just kind of beat him into submission. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that, that makes it six point deficit between first and second. And as we mentioned, after that Miami loss, it, it certainly did affect your pairwise chances, but odds were you needed to, I think at that point say, because you're only down by three points to Denver at that point, you needed to take five out of six this series against Denver to have a chance at the pairwise because Denver took four out of six in Denver, the, the, mm-hmm. the Husky win being an overtime win. So getting it, you need to get a majority of the points against Denver in order to hold a tiebreaker if there's a, a, a tie situation. And so now I think, you, yeah, five out of six at the least, but I think just make it easy and just and make it a clean sweep, I think is your best bet if you still want to retain those, those Penrose chances. Because then you'd be tied and you would hold the, you, you would be technically in first place because you'd be tied with Denver, but you'd hold the tiebreaker, which is head to head. Now that's a very tough task. Uh, this is a very good Denver team that's coming off a very good weekend, you know, albeit against the, the worst team in the conference. But um, this isn't going to be easy. Like I said at the very beginning of the show, though, I I think that the Huskies, when it comes to getting prepared and getting amped up to play a you know big conference game like this, they. They normally come. They normally meet the task. You know, they they rise to that occasion, and so I I like I like their chances to at least get a split this weekend, um, and even a better than average chance of getting more than that. Um, maybe that confidence is misplaced based on what we've been talking about with struggles, special team struggles, and and you know bottom six performers and and Mietnin, these kind of head scratchers, but. Um, I think that this team is familiar with Denver. I, I think they uh, match up well against them. And I, I think Denver is the better team between the two, but uh, I, I think St. Cloud can certainly can certainly play with them. And I, I like their chances this weekend. Like I said, I don't know if I'm going to go out and call a sweep, but I'm going to at least call a, a split. I, I do, do I it. Do, I do, do like, it. Uh, don't goad me into doing that. Like, I... I <laughs> I just have my my intuition. I don't like to get goaded into overdoing it too much, but no, um, ham it up. <laughs> nah, so. nah. Uh, but you know, I want to ask you this. I mean, we saw the seven goals in each game. Seven goals in the last three games, actually. If you go back to their their second game against Alaska from ten days ago or whatever it is now, um, under. I, I, they will okay. score under seven goals. But I was going to say, I was going to point out that of those 21 goals, five of them were scored by the vaunted Mazer, Dornback, Rizzo line. The other 16 were from not yeah. that line. Uh, you're the guy that is uh, multiple times this year has called Denver a one line team. Mm-hmm. Still sticking with that? Um,. Yes, I'm committing. I'm going to go down with this bit. <laughs> you have an easy um, out there. I mean, because you could just point to it's Miami and, you know, Alaska's a cute story, but they're not great either. Uh, I think a couple of those goals were from defensemen um, while, while that top line was on the ice, too. So you could sort of give them still some half credit on that. But should mention Tristan Bros, the former gopher, four goal game 
on Four Saturday. Hogan. Yeah. And then uh, Carter King, the uh, kind of Will Hammer prototype uh, hat trick for them on on Friday against uh, uh, against Miami. And he's having a pretty good year. And so looking at these Denver stats, you got that Rizzo, Dornback, Mazer line. That's your top three scorers right there. Um, then you got Benning from the point. Uh, he's got 22. But, you know, Burrow's already got 20 points. Aiden Thompson, freshman, who I thought was impressive when I saw him out in Denver, he's got 16 points. That's King, as you just mentioned, has got 14. Jack Devine also with 14. These guys are all on pace for 25-ish points this year. And those are all sort of your second and getting into your third line there, too. So uh, just to point out that maybe they are to kind of racking up some points against some some lesser foes that certainly could be part of it and i do think obviously their their offense will you know they they live and die with that top line uh i think if you shut down that top line um your chances of winning are going to be a lot better like you should want them to to rely on carter king to score you their their winning goals uh because that's i think a good recipe for a team to beat denver but uh, this they are getting scoring from other sources of late, and so keep an eye on that. Um, and I and also too, I want to have you uh, stick to your guns here. You know, Magnus Krona, nine eighteen save, two oh seven goals against. You know, those 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 stats would make you third third on the depth chart in St. Cloud. But yeah, product uh, of the system, average goalie still. Yeah, um, I. I'm I I will still say yes. I think Magnus Corona is a pedestrian goalie. I think he's serviceable. I think he's fine. I think he's like Corey Crawford of uh, you know those days of the Blackhawks. Um, uh, you know Thompson has been coming along you know strong. I don't know if he was injured earlier this season, but I mean his first series was against that's right St. Cloud State. Yep. So, um. But yeah, I mean, he's added a lot more depth, um, obviously to the team. Um, but you know, just looking at some of these shooting percentages too from from Denver, I mean, Dornbox at twenty percent, Mazers at almost twenty two percent. I mean, I mean, McCade Webster is at seventeen percent. I mean, it's a lot of this. I just don't think is very sustainable. Um, and I think you know it is going to cool off for them and i really hope that the defense kind of gets their act together here for this weekend because if you make some of the mistakes and some of the clears in front of the net that the huskies did last weekend um you know especially tray ball i remember having a couple um you do that against this team you're gonna get you're gonna get slaughtered so um you know, I'm I'm excited to see what team this come. You know, this team kind of pushes, and I'm a little bit. I'm not. I'm not as optimistic as you are, um, as where we're at for this weekend. So I hope I'm proven wrong. Uh, but we got to convert on our chances, and that includes the power play, and that's something that I just um I have a lot of concern about right now. So. If we win the special teams battle, I really like our chances because, you know, Denver's penalty kill percentage is worse than the Huskies right now. Uh, so their power play is better, though. So, I mean, if it comes down to the special teams battle and we lose that, we're going to lose the game. 
And maybe I'm, you know, not really Nostradamus for thinking that or anything along those lines, but it's, you know, I'm going to be happy if we're able to really, um, you know, convert on some chances. And then I'm going to like our, um, like where we sit for the weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think we're, I'm confident to say that we're going to get a couple of entertaining games, more entertaining games than this past week in CC. Yeah. Uh, going back pretty much the entirety of the, the Larson era and then the last couple of Motsko years, when these two teams met, I've, I've mentioned this after that, uh, the road uh, Denver series in November, these teams have put up, have put on some very entertaining games. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I think their styles are, are similar and they, they match up well uh, and they match up in a, in a favorable way in terms of entertainment value, I think. So I, I don't think we're going to have the, you know, it's going to, it's going to be one, nothing 10 minutes to go in the third, like we saw on Saturday. Uh, I'm not saying that it's going to be the seven to six affair. Um, those type of games, but you know, a nice four to three, five to four kind of kind of win, uh, type games. I think is in is in the uh, in the cards here. So uh, it, it just in even the- even with Corona's vaulted uh, save percentage and huge numbers, you're you're still going to expect a high scoring weekend. I guess I should more be surprised that you know what Bassey and Caster are going to give up four goals a game. Like that's that's the more unlikely scenario. I think than than Corona giving up five. Yeah, he did not. You know, you know, remembering that uh, that Friday overtime win for the Huskies, Corona did not play great, and he uh, he was beaten high three out of those four goals, uh, and even carrying over to the Saturday game, definitely something that the Huskies were keying on with Corona. They definitely thought that they found a weak spot, uh, and so they were kind of targeting high uh, you know, corner shots. Uh, you know, Friday and then going into Saturday as well. So see if that is also uh, in, in play here. I don't know if that's a, again, I, I, I like the, the formula of, of peppering shots and getting some dirty goals here. When yeah. you have the, when you have the, oh, Corona's weak on his glove side up high. That's like catnip to Mietnin. Like say, <laughs> Ooh, I, I just got to shoot at all, all costs here. Uh, I, I, I like the, uh, the grease pan mentality for this weekend. Um, get a couple of just sloppy, greasy, sweaty goals, uh, gross, disgusting, uh, icky goals. That's what I want to see this weekend. Get that, get that donut off your back, Solquist, and, and pop one in here. Make your time on the, as the power play grinder, make uh, Larson look like a genius. Uh, how about Yeah. Um, now, when these two teams uh, played against each other early in the year, uh, the uh, Crookshank Miller line uh, did not have Kupka on it. That's right. Um, that was filled with yeah. Spalisi. So, um, so that line um, will be united, and they did not go up against the international line. Ingram was a center at that time. So there's a little bit of changes. Don't know if the international line. I actually thought um, Ingram Mietnin line on Saturday created some chances. Passes weren't clicking, um, but if they were, I thought you know some golden chances were there to be had, 
And I think maybe Miettinen going up against fourth-line competition would do him some good. So I wouldn't mind, um, you know, still making that uh, uh, making that change. But as far yeah, as I'm, defenseman goes... Um, yeah, I'm not, entirely, oh, I'm, sorry. I'm not entirely opposed to that. I agree with kind of spreading it around. Yeah, like I said, my frustrations with Miettinen aside, I think of the international line players, Crannell and Okabe have been carrying that line. And so if yeah. you think that you can make that fourth line better by, and also making Mietten better, maybe giving him some more confidence. Like you said, going up against other teams' fourth lines might, might instill some more confidence in him. I'm not entirely opposed to that. You know, you just need to produce. And if they do, like they did in that Bemidji game, um, I'm all for it. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I don't mind that movie. I, I, but at the same time, I'm not, convinced that we won't just see this the regular international line this friday either i don't know if that was just a one game thing or if this is more of a permanent move not sure if you have any insight or hunch as to that um god i uh, never have insights on anything i just have my own my own brain uh brand was the third wheel there on that okabi chronola line okay uh when when they uh when they face so well, I mean, and two, two remember, having... you got a co- uh, uh, I was going to say Kosla, uh, Cranola, uh, and God, then Sa- I, I hope. Uh, in that God, Sa- if we could have Kosla back. Oh, Kos- I mean, I know I'm in the minority, but Kosla is probably on my ru- Mount Rushmore of Husky hockey. I love yeah. Kosla. Not sure if I put him on the Mount Rushmore, but. Uh, yeah, I know. I, but I know, I know my love affair with him, so it's okay. But yeah, Cranola, I, I should say. Uh, he he didn't play like the last half of that Saturday game. He was kicked out for that I thought dubious hit from behind call. So Cranola basically played half the Saturday game too. Yeah. So they, they really did see a different lineup or at least set of lines um, for a good majority of that weekend in November. So perhaps circle that as a, another key to this intangible. Yeah, yeah, to see if if uh, St. Cloud can you know, these current lines, if that's going to solve them more so than they did in Denver. Yep. I would, I would like that little change. I mean, have Molinar's up on that line with the uh, Colonel on Okabe. I think that would, I, I, I really liked how they, how they played, um, on, on Saturday. Um, you know, once everything finally started clicking for them. So, um, as far as defenseman then goes, um, where where do you go here? Do you do you keep putting Bushy out there? I mean, I don't. I mean, I Wiley. I mean, I yeah, I haven't th- seen him. I was going to say, yeah, I don't. I don't so, think he's deserving of of riding the pine here. Wiley, I'm talking about. I thought he's played well correct. in yeah. his in his time so far, and I would have said the same thing about Reiners. Is glad to see him get a get an opportunity on Saturday. Wasn't thrilled with Zemer on Friday. Um, so Zemer had a tough game on Friday, you know, Bushy. It's like, yeah, I, he, it's just frustrating. It's like, he, he, this is what, like a, this is what, like, you know, a coin as we saw uh, making that dumb play, a uh, five minute major in the Western Michigan mm-hmm. game. And he's, I think I've seen just one game since then, but he's a freshman and you, that sort of discipline is kind of natural. You know, Bushy's a fifth year senior. Like I, my gut reaction would be like, sit him on Saturday for that dumb hit on Friday, which I thought, like I said, was the turning point in that game, which is now they've the two worst losses this year 
from from a pairwise perspective, the two lowest teams they've lost to in the pairwise were sort of turned on bushy, you know, reckless hits. Um, I, I thought this one was, you know, they looked at it for a five minute major and he was lucky just to have the two, but still it's like, yeah, I would want him to sit cause he didn't learn his lesson, but it's like, again, this guy's like 24 years old. I mean, <laughs> what sort of, if he's not going to learn the lesson by now, I don't know what benching him would have done, except it would have kept him out of the game on fr- on Saturday, which would have been a good thing. Cause he didn't play well. He played worse on Saturday than he did on Friday. So it would have been better to have he Wiley got an assist. Or... He got an assist. <laughs> was that on, on the empty on the empty debtor? Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was on it's, it's Kronola from it's a, from inter, integral uh, uh, part of that game. Um, so yes, all points all points are equal. They're all created yes, exactly. equal. So yeah, I I would love to see Wiley get back in action. I mean, uh, but I would. It's just from the standpoint of sitting bushy in favor of a freshman it's just not conventional wisdom so yeah i would do it but i don't expect it to happen um wiley, I, I wiley's, like wiley in, wiley's, wiley's last game was the first game against miami yeah and so when we've kind of hit this offensive rut starting with that second miami game Maybe Wiley was the key there. Wiley's the you know? key the whole time. <sighs> oh, man. Uh, what a twist. I like it. <laughs> Wiley with one goal on the year. Uh, it's not like he's the offensive spark here. But, uh, you know, he's played well. I'd like uh, to see him get some action. I know it's tough to crack this lineup, and that's in, typically Infinite a good more problem. goals than Salquist. So. That is true. Um, that is true. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know what the what the formula is. Like, I, I hope I hope you chalk it up to this was just a bad weekend for the defense, and they can you know clean it up and look like they did against the Gophers, you know, which wasn't that long ago either. Uh, you hope it was, this was just a, a a bump in the road, but uh, but and it's it is nice to have a guy like Wiley sitting on the wings, waiting in the wings, and not having action. Because this this lineup is this defensive lineup at least is tough to crack. So I like yeah. to see him get some action just because I like him, and I also like to see Reiner's out there. Like you said, I I didn't have any issues with him on Saturday, and that was that's a to his credit because there was a lot of a lot of sloppy defensive play um, for the Huskies this weekend. So I, I he was not he was not a a, a part of that. I thought so. Yeah. Um, Hopefully the competition here is ratcheted up and these players are just making themselves better and just bushy. Just stop it with, with the, with the reckless, with the reckless play. Hey, Hey, stop it. (laughs) So I know you're listening, Brendan. Um, yeah, exactly. Stop it. Take take our advice because we're so good at this. Um, all right, uh, we're going to head to sinkers and floaters here shortly, but first, um, you know, I just want to break it down one, you know, one more comment that I want to make before we head on. Over. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of looking, I know it's a flawed statistic plus minus mm-hmm. and horn and bushy are tied at plus 16. You're right. It is a flawed statistic. 
that's all I got on that. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> all right, yeah. Um, before we do get to that uh, sinkers, floaters segment, well, I am still trying okay. to get trying to get a plumb. I, I got a plumbing. I got a lead on a plumbing company um, that I might <laughs> uh, get an ad, uh, get a sponsorship opportunity for. So in the future, we're hoping that that can. That that's a possibility, but I do have a we do have a sponsor this week, um, and it's a new sponsor. Um, Ooh, nice. I'm gonna ask you, Travis, are you a coffee guy at all? Um, <laughs> actually, yeah. It's um, I've got um, uh, a coffee uh, that is you know kind of locally, uh, Muggsy Beans. Oh. Uh, big, uh, ba- ba- uh, big fan of that, and then um, you know every. Every once in a while, I'll go up and I like to find, you know, some people get into craft beer and new bourbon and whatnot. I kind of like my coffee. Well, well, you might be very interested here uh, in, in our in today's sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by True Earth Coffee. Now, you've all heard about trendy sources of coffee, you know, coffee made from mushrooms, coffee made from rice, coffee made from okra pods. But the best coffee you've never tried is now available, and it's called True Earth Coffee. True Earth Coffee is made from dirt. Yep, you heard right. It turns out dirt is a natural and delicious source of coffee, and we here at True Earth Coffee bring you the best dirt coffee around. We triple filter our dirt, which comes from a variety of places around the world. From Africa's sprawling Nile Delta to the sands of the Kalahari Desert, True Earth Coffee truly makes a mean mug of mud. The benefits of True Earth Coffee are countless. Our coffee is probiotic and supports gut health. It comes in many flavors such as hazelnut and Dutch chocolate and is available in caffeinated and decaf. And most importantly, because because it requires no growing of any sort, it's great for the environment. The only footprint that this coffee has is the literal footprints that we humans make in the dirt and mud. Go to trueearthcoffee.net and enter the promo code HUSKY for 50% off your first order and free shipping. True Earth Coffee, redefining ground coffee one mug at a time. True Earth Coffee. Ooh, I'm excited to try that out. Got some samples coming. I'll, I'll let you know. Oh, perfect. Sounds good. All right, uh, we'll uh, transition over to sinkers and floaters. Kind of who are the big uh, movers here into pairwise, out of pairwise contention, um, and uh, just kind of see what we're all looking at uh, over over the landscape as we get closer to seeing the uh, the uh, the sixteen uh, team tournament. Um, you know, one uh, one of the, one of the big sinkers is. Um, you know, somebody that I had pegged uh, for it and who really has been dropping quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, UConn uh, dropped again, uh, down five spots, uh, dropped to 19th um, uh, so far this week here in the in, in the pairwise. So, I mean, they were uh, 14 coming in, down to 19, out of contention. And, you know, for someone who was just recently leading Hockey East to be this far down, it's uh, that's going to be a tough sign from them. Cornell kind of took it on the chin as well, uh, from 11 down to 14. Um, and then uh, North Dakota, God, yeah, just love to see it um, dropping, um, you know, from 
from their weekend from 16 dropping all the way down to 23. So that's a lot of, a lot of sinkers coming in. Uh, just uh, quick thoughts. Any of those teams uh, kind of come as a surprise? You'd yeah. love to see maybe one of them drop. You know, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'll touch on all of these. The Cornell one, I, I was surprised. They just played a single game this weekend um, at BU, a good BU team. BU's up to seven. Um, and I watched the majority of that game. It was an afternoon game on Saturday. Good game. But Cornell, you know, played well, and they gave up a goal with the, the winner was like three seconds to go in the third so they lose a regulation game to a good BU team on the road, and they drop three or four spots. I thought that was a severe drop for uh, you know a, a loss against a good opponent. Um, I wonder because I mean there were four team. I mean four comparisons switched on that. Yeah, I mean, um, it, winning fifty it has, to forty six. So there there must have been a lot of other things in. When play. you look to, I mean. They have the same RPI as as Mankato right now, and they're within thousandths of a point from 12. So, I mean, it's really bunched together there from 12 to 15. So that might have something to do with it. It's just these very tiny uh, fractions of a point is what's separating these teams. So maybe it just looks worse than it is. Red-on-red matchup. It was weird, though. And, And Boston University being the home team was wearing darks. So... It just was like I, at some points I was struggling to to keep like which team is is going which way like it's kind of a a rattling um, I, not a good color on color matchup like it's just it's the no. same colors like it's almost like you need to which, switch it up just for what like, the heck Colorado College like get your yellows out come on yeah, like, apparently that's just, just a, a home thing for them but dumb. Uh, I would plus black is such a boring jersey color. I said it. It's just, you know, I think whites can look sharp, but black. You know, I would just I I, I like the red jerseys more than the Huskies black. Jerseys. I do. I agree. So, That's the one that I own is the red one. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you on that. I like that that CC logo, the interlocking CC. When I was watching that, I mentioned that college hockey USA the. Early '90s Jim Rich hosted show. They they had a St. Cloud and CC highlight package from like when CC was playing the old Broadmoor, and they had the old C, they had those that style of jersey with the interlocking CC. So that must have been their old sort of jerseys at one point. Because I I, oh, I only go far as back as that kind of weird looking tiger logo, um, mm-hmm. which they had for like 25 years. It seemed like. So I like the I like the the, the the couple years ago when they redid their jerseys. I kind of like the new look. So yeah, I was a little surprised that Cornell fell as much. UConn did watch, so they opened a new arena on Saturday. Two college hockey arenas opened on Saturday, both in the state of Connecticut, which is uh, very unusual. Connecticut and Sacred Heart uh, across the state. Um, so this is a on campus in the city of stores, Connecticut for, for UConn. UConn's never had a campus facility in their hockey East days. They've been playing out of, out of Hartford, which I've, I've, I've been watching a fair amount of UConn this year. And I think they said like, they're still going to play the occasional game in Hartford. It is a much bigger facility. It's an AHL building. Whereas this on-campus facility is only in the 3,000 range, I think. Um, 
it looks like a nice arena. I would say Sacred Hearts looks better, which is weird. Um, but uh, the one thing about UConn, I, I can't believe I'm saying they need some advertising or something because when they would show the coaches um, behind the coaches, it's just plain white drywall right now. And it looks really weird. It looks like the coaches are just oh. sitting in like in a garage. Like <laughs> it doesn't look like they're in a. So it's like the. It almost feels like Divorce the building. Dad style. It almost feels like the building isn't like a hundred percent finished in that regard. Just because they could use a little style uh, accent walls or something at, at certain points, or just put you know like the CC's got the Jersey Mike's uh, logo behind them. Just do that like just you could see the drywall screws in there it's just like this is not <laughs> very aesthetic but uh it looked like a decent atmosphere they lost the game to northeastern who's climbing up they've they've kind of been a a, a floater uh, if we had this uh if we were tracking these movements uh uh further i mean they were down like low 30s at one point now now northeastern's up to 26 but from UConn's perspective, it's been a struggle. You know, four out of six losses here. You know, four losses in the last six games. I think the the big thing there is Hockey East as a whole has really been struggling. You know, I had them at five teams in the tournament. You had them at four in our January 1st prediction of the field. Right now, top 15, you'd only have two Hockey East teams in right now. Mm-hmm. And that's just uh, Merrimack, who got off the mat. Uh, you know, they give up eight goals to Providence on Friday. They've been giving up slews, uh, just a slew of goals lately, but they pick themselves up and get a shutout win themselves on Saturday. So Merrimack's there at 11, uh, and then BU, as I mentioned, at 7. Those are the only two teams currently in the pairwise gate from Hockey East, so... And we we were talking in uh, October and November is, you know, maybe this is the year that Hockey East gets a bunch of teams in because it looked like the NCHC was down. Uh, it looked like CCHA was just going to get an automatic, just their automatic qualifier in. ECAC wasn't lighting the world on fire as, as usual. Um, but as it's turned out, they've really fallen off. Part of the reason, too, is they're not beaten up on the true doormats, which Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire really are the three clearly lowest tier teams in Hockey East. But we saw this weekend Maine beats Lowell on Saturday. New Hampshire has been playing pretty well of late. They beat uh, a, a UMass team in complete freefall, uh, especially you know, the, the, the jinx that I gave them that when I said that they were going to make the tournament. Not only have they not won since I made that prediction, but they have looked terrible. I watched their game against BU. <laughs> they played a midweek game, six to one, six to two. I think it was. It wasn't even that close. Like BU took the foot off the gas there late. It, it and, and the shot advantage was I think thirty plus in favor of Boston. So UMass is looking to be kind of toast too. Uh, so yeah, I still think there's time for UConn to to pick it up. Providence, as we said, um, as I mentioned, uh, splitting against Miramac, which is a good result for them on the road. Uh, I got to think that they're going to get more than two teams in the field. Obviously, being the person that picked them to get five teams in two weeks ago, <laughs> I should say that. But um, I got to think they, they're going to at least get three and wouldn't be surprised if they get a fourth team in here as well. But these teams got to pick it up. Uh 
and and especially beating the teams that they should. Like I mentioned, though, that bottom three, whenever they play those teams, you, you can't drop those games because that's what really sinks you in the pairwise. So, and as you mentioned, North Dakota, no one really weeping for for them <laughs> in these parts. Uh, but um, yeah, as I mentioned, so Helston starts on Friday. And they lose four nothing, getting shut out. You know, when we're mentioning North Dakota and, and Western Michigan, we, we mentioned this when they played in Kalamazoo last month. Hey, expect a bunch of high scoring affairs because these teams score a lot, but they also give up a lot. And the two games in, in Western were pretty low scoring affairs. And then you see a four nothing game here in Grand Forks on Friday. Well, we finally got the uh, the high <laughs> we score, finally the, the shootout. Well, one out of four ain't bad. Uh, yeah, seven to six, and that was a game where North Dakota had a five to two lead. As I mentioned, kind of out of desperation, they go with their third stringer, it's Caleb Johnson, uh, and looked at the time that it was five to two. Hey, maybe it worked. Um, but uh, Western comes back. I, I watched the end of that game after the Huskies game ended. That last goal for Western, um, it's like. Pucks in the corner, like four North Dakota guys just chase the puck, leaving two Western guys completely undefended right in the slot. Uh, and guy shoots it and dribbles past Johnson and in. It was a goal that deserved like the Benny Hill music in the background. <laughs> it's like just no defense and no goaltending whatsoever. Uh, I don't, yeah, this, and so now North Dakota's still in seventh, closer to last than home ice at this point, and we're seeing a little bit of separation in the NCHC standings, and we saw kind of a clumping there at the end of the first half, but right now, you know, and Minnesota Duluth getting swept in Omaha, um, so Duluth at sixth place in the conference at 13 points, six points behind fifth place Western. So that's a full weekend, you know, uh, that that separates fifth and sixth, and then you got uh, then you got Dakota at seventh with twelve points. I guess we're gonna see who, uh, who who's better between Duluth and Dakota this weekend because they play each other in Grand Forks, but it's gonna take a bunch for the for this team for the those two teams. I mean, they they really got to hustle to make home ice at this point. Mm-hmm. They've, they've they've dug themselves quite a hole. And I think for North Dakota to be at 23 in pairwise, I think is kind of fortunate. I, I would have expected them to be lower than that based on where they are in the NCHC standings. But yeah, from the eye test does not look very well um, at that defense. Clevin was suspended for the Saturday game, which may have contributed to the fact they gave up all those goals. Um, but you know, don't get suspended, and then you don't have that problem. <laughs> it's uh, it's not looking great for for Dakota, and it's not looking great for Duluth. I don't know if you saw any of those games against uh, kind of a schizophrenic Omaha team. You don't know which team is gonna show up uh, that weekend. We should mention too, Omaha just two points behind the Huskies, uh, yeah, third, and they got Miami at They're home making this a charge. weekend. Take a you know. Keep an eye on them because St. Cloud with you know getting having their hands full this weekend with Denver, Miami at Omaha. So the thing with Omaha is they've they've always kind of crapped the bed against these bad teams in years in in recent years. You know, they lost three times to Miami last year, 
uh, and a couple of times to CC as well. So, and, and when they went out to CC earlier this year, got swept there in a weekend where we're like, okay, Omaha, show me that you belong in the top half of the league. Another opportunity for them to, uh, to prove that. We'll see how that goes, but St. Cloud, you know, they're breathing down their backs right now. So wide open uh, league right now, um, and but mm-hmm. also at the same time, uh, it's getting late early for both Minnesota Duluth and uh, and North Dakota, and no tears shed for either team. Agreed. Uh, some uh, some floaters here uh, rising up to the top, well, so to speak. Um, you know, not a lot of movement overall in the top ten. Um, you know, uh, St. Cloud was the biggest mover, dropping from three to five. Uh, Penn State, Denver, both moved up one. You know, just kind of kind of even. But you get down to that, you know, 14, 15, 16 range uh, where we're at now. Minnesota State climbs up three spots to get to 15. BC, um, talking about Hockey East, uh, get up to 17. Um, they they climbed two spots in Providence, like you said, um, up four spots into sixteen. So we got a little bit of um, um, contention up there. Um, uh, big mover up, also Michigan State going from on uh, the bubble to to fifth from fifteen up to twelve, kind of sitting on the right side of the bubble. Western Michigan really helping their case too, uh, twelve up to ten. Um, so those are some of the people uh, that are making some or some of the teams that are making their waves uh, upwards. Um, you know, any, you know, we uh, talked about that Western Michigan. I was looking at that uh, box score. I wasn't able to catch any of that game, but uh, that seven to six game, um, but Western Michigan, you know, scored to make it five to three minute and a half later scored to make it five to four. Yeah. Um, And then, and then, um, It was what twenty seconds apart were the two Western Michigan goals there in the third period as well, so it was a you know a, the quick strike team, and then um, you know you're looking at some of these names of the Western Michigan players too. Um, they're they're not your usual suspects. Um, they're 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 not Poulin. They're not McAllister. It's that line Larkin, yeah, <laughs> Luke Granger. He's the one that got it done. So, yeah, that line on Saturday uh, was completely shut out. Um, zero points for for McAllister, Sasson, and uh, Pollen. I need to get a, a name pronunciation on Pollen. It feels like we got a pert thing going there because I've heard Pollen, <laughs> I've heard Pauline, I've heard uh, Pollen. I don't know what it is, and if this guy's going to be like a Hobie candidate, I think we should square that square that way. He scored twice. Pollen scored twice on Friday, um, but like I said, seven goals and and none of them, not even any assists uh, through that line. So I mean, shows you that Western's got a little bit of depth at least. Either that or that North Dakota defense has just got awful. Maybe a combination of the two, but. Uh, you know, and getting, you know, Roe getting a shutout for them on, on Friday is gravy, I, I'm sure. I don't know what I could, you know, could definitely see Western making this tournament. Um, they go to CC this weekend. Interesting see, to see how they respond there, you know, being swept at Omaha earlier this year. 
it's kind of a similar weekend here going on the road against a team that you're above in pairwise, although not in the standings. Not in the standings. Uh, not yeah. in the conference standings, but. Ten yeah, in the pairwise, fifth in the NCHC standings. That's weird. Weird. Uh, but uh, you, you got to think that Western's got got the skill edge on CC, so we'll see what happens in that series. But uh, they're they're definitely a good team. I'm just I would definitely not be shocked if they don't make this tournament either. Like they they still have yeah. some 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 holes, and so and and maybe beating you know go, sweeping North Dakota on the road isn't as impressive as it typically has been considering the team that North Dakota is putting on the ice these days. We shall see how it all, uh, how it all shakes out. I was surprised that uh, Michigan state was able to move up. I think it's similar to the Cornell situation. I'm surprised that Cornell dropped as much as they did. And Michigan state surprised that they were able to jump just getting a overtime win and a tie at home against Penn state. But again, that, 12 through 15 clump is separated by 0.0015 points in RPI right now. So, you know, even the slightest, you know, ties and overtime losses even can bump teams up uh, when you're talking about differentials that small. So very uh, bunched together sort of bubble, the good side of the bubble, let's say, with Michigan State, mm-hmm. Michigan Tech, who had a bad loss this weekend as well. Yeah. Um, to St. Thomas, Minnesota State uh, sweeping Arizona State on the road. Um, they, they're kind of on a hot streak now, winning four games in a row. Uh, we'll see if uh, if they can continue their winning ways. Um, so yeah, this is an interesting. It's interesting how how bunched together these teams are at that at, at that area of the pairwise, and you still got to go down to the, the the high twenties here. That's really kind of the bubble, I think. Maybe even like twenty five ish, because I think those teams all are capable of making a run and making th- making things interesting. Because yeah, Merrimack at eleven, they're not safe. Western Michigan, they're not safe at ten. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm surprised at how high Michigan is. Um, although I think the Big Ten being as good as they are this year is is explaining that. But yeah, you can't be safe uh, at this time of year. But um, we're gonna get a better idea of, of how these teams are lining up. So any uh, any thoughts from you as far as um, any of these teams? So you still uh, still confident about Michigan Tech? Uh, winning that league, uh, a, a little get... less confident yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after losing to St. Thomas of all teams. I'm going to kind of chalk that up, though, as just looking past someone um, and thinking you can just kind of skate wherever and uh, run all over. So uh, I, I'm still liking my Michigan Tech pick, but, uh, you know, seeing Minnesota State, you know, kind of make the climb, too. Um you know, that's a team, you know, it's got some experience. So it's going to be kind of kind of interesting to see how everything pans out for them. Um, like you're talking about Miramax, some team that doesn't have experience. So, you know, kind of seeing how they're going to handle a possible tournament bid on the line. Um, North Dakota, I think, is a dangerous team if somebody learns how to stop a puck. And I think that could be something where that might be a switch that's flipped. Uh, but also, you know, I can see how this is going where 
Omaha and North Dakota are going to face each other in in the first round of the playoffs, and North Dakota's going to beat Omaha just because that's what Omaha does in the playoffs. So looking at that, might be on the road for North Dakota. I mean, mm-hmm. God, I think it's going to be. I mean, I guess we're we're exactly at the halfway point of the NCHC schedule. Twenty four games total. Everyone's at twelve. That's one thing I've mentioned. I, I'm happy that the NCHC is scheduling their games where you're you're going to have times where you know you have bye weeks coming up for teams and so you're going to have an unequal number of games but they've i think made a concerted effort to basically yeah. make it even whereas like the ccha right now it's tough to gauge that or hockey east for that matter hockey east like, too, yeah ccha you got bowling green at the top got a five point lead on mankato they're like ooh, wow they're Running away with things, but you got to look. The game's played. They've played 18 games, two more than uh, than Minnesota State, and four more than Bemidji State at fourth. Um, Bemidji so, and Ferris and, and, Ferris North, and Northern. Northern Michigan. So, yeah, so you got weird, weird sort of spread of games played there. So it makes the standings seem a little deceiving. Um, Connecticut, Connecticut, and Hockey East is sitting at 16 games played. You got Maine sitting at 10. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. So very strange. And yeah, Merrimack. Yeah, I mean, and with all the quirks, also with the NCHC schedule, um, because like you know, obviously the biggest quirk is we haven't seen Minnesota Duluth yet. We play them four times this season. Right. Um. We we only see Omaha once, and that's the second to the last season. Um, and or uh, second to last series. Uh, Denver, I think, hasn't seen Colorado College yet. They'll play um, four times. Western Michigan and CC, times. they're also playing four times starting this weekend. So they're going to be basically and playing Omaha, four games in a month. O- Omaha and Miami. Yep. They play four games. So that's, so that, I mean, not to say that the schedule is perfect, because I do think that's a little bit odd. Um, but, but like, but it is nice seeing, you know, a line of 12. Maybe it's my OCD, which I didn't talk about, um, you know, with the Matt Cullen jersey retirement which was an, a very nice um uh, event and uh, just seeing his number nine next to hedekin on the right side of the banner so it goes 24 and then nine that's not how numbers work like what's <laughs> the one that's like yeah put it on that side that doesn't make sense to me and the numbers should go in order so put Put Cullen on the left of Hedigan. What is Cullen's number? At, at St. Cloud? Nine. Nine? Nine? Nine, 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 nine. Uh, you could say... You know what's, you know what's even worse? Is that I didn't even think of that. Like, you just... Like, uh, I thought like I thought you were playing into it one. because I thought you really no. kind of stepped into that nine uh, when you first <laughs> said it. So I, I was just playing around there, playing along. No, that's... maybe they're just um, throwing a bone to uh, Arabic readers because you ah. read left to right or uh, Jehovah no, right, starts right with an eye right to left. So maybe they're just doing that. It's just it's oh, it's only out of order based on where you're starting from. So look at it that way. <laughs> so it's only uh, out of order based on a certain point of view. If you uh, are looking at the uh, suites that are behind the. That's right. The visitors uh net that they shoot or the visitors net uh twice on the first and third. You look at it that way, then yeah, it's nine and 
then it's the right, right. way. So. And if you're doing a headstand, then Matt Cullen actually wore number six. There so you go. it just depends on your angle and your vantage point. Sure enough. Um, uh, rest of the game is kind of this weekend. Um, you know, we got uh, Minnesota Duluth and North Dakota in a six and seven matchup, which tell that to me at the beginning of the year, I would have said you were drunk. Um, anything else kind of sticks uh, out? Obviously, I mean, if you go by the us poll, Denver at three, St. Cloud at four. Uh, so I mean, this is kind of the premier matchup here in, in, in college hockey. Um, unless what? Well, I mean, I was going to say unless Quinnipiac plays somebody important, but they don't. Of course, they don't. Well, they play Cornell. And Harvard. Um, they mean, just played Harvard. So. um, But, um, you know, Michigan, Minnesota, that might be a pretty, that'll be an entertaining tilt to watch. Sure. Um, um, it should be. So, uh, Lindenwood against Long Island. So, let's, uh, let's, let's get the DVRs on that one. DVRs. Did I just really date myself that much? Jeez. I think you did. So. I gotta say. But yeah, looking everywhere else, it's not great matchups. Yeah, Mankato with Lake State, who Lake State won on Saturday, but after their loss on Friday, they actually moved into the uh, dubious distinction of last place in the pairwise which is impressive, but their win got them to 60. So there you go. I would say it, it, it it bodes well for Mankato to continue their, their hot streak, uh, this weekend. Um, yeah, scrolling through these games. That's a a ton of intrigue. Um, Connecticut against UMass. I will say, that's intriguing, oh. but I don't. I wouldn't say that's a need to watch game. Two two teams that really need to win, and yeah, so someone's got to give there. That'll be a tie. That'll be a tie. <laughs> of course it will. Um. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. I'll say, watch out for New Hampshire. I'm gonna say that they upset Lowell. New Hampshire's been playing good uh, as of late. Uh, I also wanted to uni- throw. I want to throw University some- and no hardware. <laughs> it's an old classic. Uh, <laughs> I, I I wish I had hardware to back it up, but I'm <laughs> the fan that I am, and none of my teams are championship teams. That's right. But, of the, I would say of the teams that have been basically consistently in the top fifteen of pairwise this year, I think that it feels like the team that we've mentioned or talked about the least is Ohio State. And I watched their game at least the first couple periods before they they started on four at four thirty my time on Friday, so it was a couple of hours before the basically watched the the whole game against Michigan. They put up close to sixty shots on Michigan uh, and looked pretty dominant. Um, Michigan was able to come off the mat and beat them on Saturday, and I didn't see much of that game, but. Uh, I do think that this Ohio State team, who's been kind of quietly ascending as a program, I mean, they've been pretty good here for five, six years, either making the tournament. I mean, they made a one seed um, one, you know, four or five years ago. Uh, I think they were the last team out last year. So even when they they're not making the tournament, they're they're always close. 
you know, got some big wins this year. Uh, beat Minnesota earlier. Said big win against Michigan uh, this past weekend. They get Ohio, or they get Wisconsin this weekend. Uh, obviously, that Wisconsin, by the way, losing six to one to the U18s. Uh, so that's your Wisconsin update. God, I. Um, so I mean that it, 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 I, the paper matchup works well for Ohio State this weekend, but. Just throwing it out there. I like just can't believe. I, I cannot believe that they gave Granado an extension after last year. <laughs> well, like, that can always that how... can always be ripped up uh, and burned. God, it should be. You just got to one. I think I think the big factor there is how much do they care? Like, do do they do they still care enough about hockey to to make a move? Because two years Barry Alvarez a created a conference, so. <laughs> And you see that they, you know, they're if they if they fired their football coach, and I know their football team's been down of late, but they're still making bowl games at least. Um, they fire him and they they give a extension to Granado, who's only made the tournament once, and that was in the COVID year, and they're only playing their conference uh, during the season. It just it doesn't it doesn't really vibe with me. And then you you also factor in like the, the women's team keeps you know rolling along. Um, whereas the men's team has just fallen off a cliff. I don't know. This was all started by me trying to praise Ohio State, but we we <laughs> we bring up Wisconsin, and we just get sidetracked. Uh, get sidetracked. It's easy. But uh, do you have any... Have garbage program it? for garbage people. <laughs> have you watched any of this uh, Ohio State Buckeyes team, and do you have an opinion on them? Six in pair um, right now. Yeah, it's... You know... <sighs> The thing that kind of irks me about them is also they do a little bit kind of like Penn State, and that kind of sets me off a little bit. So, I mean, some of their non-conference, I mean, their non-conference, see, um, okay, UConn. They have one one difference in their, yes, I know they have, I know where you're going with this, lots of Atlantic hockey uh, Mm. and Long Island. The one key difference for them is, they must make um, home and home scheduling arrangements because you see here at Mercyhurst this year, they went to Bentley last year, uh, they went to Long Island this year. Like they're they're doing reciprocal agreements at least. Okay, you can't say well, that about Penn State. There was yep. even like an interview I saw about there I heard with the Niagara coach, and he said that they have a home and home reciprocal agreement with Iowa State as well. So they're at least willing to to go to the Atlantic hockey schools, which I'll give them credit for at the same time. As you said, though, you know, it's, it is, and I guarantee playing, you, you are playing and I, Atlantic hockey I, teams. Yeah. And I guarantee you, even with Connecticut, you know, when they scheduled that, right. yeah. there was no was, way that, 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 that Connecticut would have been defense. Yeah. And they, so, I, I mean, refused, Long Island, they've, they've kind of, I remember Miami fans, how many few of them are left. I know they were up in arms because Ohio State kind of, re- I believe they refused to schedule yep. Miami for a while. They're still, that too. they're still on the schedule with Bowling Green, and they've been on Bowling Green's schedule, the other Ohio school. Been on their schedule, I think, every year doing home and homes with them. But for some reason, maybe Blasey pissed off Rollick or something, and, and I, I don't know why that would still matter because Blasey's no longer there. Ohio State would just have to then boycott uh, St. Thomas. Um, but, um, 
Not sure what the uh, issue there between Miami and Ohio State is, but that's that's been the one non-conference uh, schedule scheduling quirk for them is they're they're refusing to play one of their in-state rivals. Um, but uh, yeah, they do load up on the on the Atlantic hockey. That's for sure. I will give them some credit that they are willing to schlep to these schools as barns. But uh, but yeah, not the best non-conference. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's a. I think they're a pretty decent team, and they've been able to pour in goals lately. Put nine up against Bowling Green, beginning of uh, or middle of December. Like I said, seven goals at Michigan. That was on the heels of six nothing win uh, versus Michigan State. So I mean, they've been uh, they've been prolific offensively of late, um, and they've got a good goaltender. That's Dobich uh, is is uh, impressive. So. Just wanted to mention them because I feel like we really haven't talked about them at all. So mm. just wanted to mention them uh, uh, on the podcast. How many how many shots did they and Penn State have? Did they crack a hundred total? That's a good that's a good uh, <laughs> question. No, they haven't. Okay, no, two, <laughs> just... two to one two to one game uh, between them on December second, and both teams thirty six to thirty two were the shots. It's in a high shot total for such a low scoring game. Oh. So, but maybe so. they're using the, uh, the inflated shot on goal metrics. Uh, you know, that was cause that was at Penn state. So maybe yeah, Penn, Penn state. Maybe looks, it, uh, they got like the, the heavy uh, radar gun kind of, it's like the uh, baseball <laughs> stadium that every, every pitch is a hundred miles an hour seemingly. Right. But Yeah. So yeah, I don't really know what to make of them. Um, I haven't watched uh, you know enough of them to form an opinion. Um, and you know maybe uh, what February third, the game against uh, Penn State that's on Big Ten Network. So maybe maybe I'll give that one a. Oh, yeah, now I got the Big Ten Plus for another month because I wa- I've signed up for it for to watch that one Huskies Gophers game. Um, and you can watch the the women's WCHA. So I was able to watch some of the Huskies women this weekend. Shoulda not a good weekend. For I should not a good weekend for the Lady Huskies. It was uh, that was that was that was a weekend we needed to yeah. come away with some points. And I believe what we came out with a lead too early on in both of them. I I want to say, but I don't. Um, I, I only watched the Friday the Saturday game. I'm sorry. So it, it may have been on Friday. On Saturday they did not. But uh, oh, okay. they did not look all I that, think maybe all that I'm hot. thinking of Friday then. I should have done that instead of I signed up for Bally Sports for a month. So I should have done that with Big Ten Network instead. I'll remember that for next time. I mean, so next I think- time, obviously, the, 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 the go, oh, wait, no, the Gophers aren't playing St. Cloud. So that, that's, but uh, when, when St. Cloud and Michigan play um, in two years. Go. Which next, has next been year. confirmed. Yes. Which has been confirmed. So, so some, good. some, um, some I, th- I think there was, a, there was a podcast that mentioned that a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Um, That's why you come to us for breaking news. That is right. <laughs> I, I might not buy a Big Ten Plus for that weekend because I, well, they're playing at home this fall. They're playing yeah. at St. Cloud this fall. So you, they wouldn't be on Big Ten Plus anyway, but. Once those dates are announced, I'm probably going to be in attendance for that game. So, yeah, and I might go to Yoast as well. Uh, it would be a good road trip, I think. So, mm-hmm. I might not need Big Ten Plus for those games after all. Well, 
Fair but, enough. Uh, excited for that series. Uh, let's hop over to some questions. Um, one question that kind of came up that I was interested in is, you know, Cullen's number is retired. Um, who's next? Uh, and uh, just kind of thinking of anybody else um, or if there's a next uh, name uh, that would be up at the rafters at the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. I couldn't think of one um, because, you know, obviously I don't know what goes behind the scenes. You know, if you have to donate a lot of money to get your number retired. That probably helps. St. Cloud's doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Um, But it's, you know, think of somebody who's had the longevity in the NHL, the solid career, who also is a good ambassador for the program. I couldn't really think of anybody. You know, obviously you could maybe make a case for Parrish, but the fact that he left for the WHL, people kind of forget about that. <laughs> that he played two years at St. Cloud and then went to Portland, Seattle. I can't remember. Um, I think so. It's, I mean, that kind of tarnishes it, I think, a little bit. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I can't think of anything else. I don't know who the next most games played by a Husky. I'm thinking it might be Matt Hendricks. <laughs> and I don't, I can't see his number retired. So, yeah, you I don't gotta know. think, you gotta think of who are can who the candidates would be at this point. Like, yeah. Look at like the top scorers too. So you know, Lash, uh, Jeff Satterdalen, I think is still up there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, blah blah, being the Hobie winner, the only Hobie winner of the program so far. I think that is a decent uh, bullet point on his resume. Uh, but I don't necessarily see that. Like a retired number? I'm not sure. Like, maybe. Maybe a guy like Dave Reichel, as far as, like, you know, he played, but he's also been a broadcaster for decades. So maybe he's got, like, the longevity service to the program kind of thing. But, I mean, I mean that was, that, that was I mean, that's nice. And like, like, maybe a plaque. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, mean I'm sure he has his Hall own little. Or something. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know what's. I guess we're we gotta define as far as like what a retired number like it's like we gotta say it in hushed tones like it's it's Collins number nine like <laughs> it's Hedekin's number twenty four can't wear it except Spencer Meyer we should mention getting the uh, go ahead to uh, yeah to be the last Parish. the last donor of the number yeah. nine per- Parish during the uh, ceremony made sure to point out after Spencer Meyer. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, no husky after Spencer Meyer. So, yeah, so I don't, um, I don't know if there is a, if there is an obvious candidate. I, I just don't think there really is. I mean, if you open the door, if you're going to retire Saturday's number, okay, then it's going to be all like the top five scores. Then, really, I mean, I don't yeah. think that it's. I think that it's. I think the dump in the coin to the uh, university is a big deal. I think that if you want to, if you, if you want to have a chance to uh, further screw with your OCD, because you know, they would put the next number to the 
right of Collins, <laughs> and it would be like a larger number than that. So it would even it would even get rid of the if you read it from right to left, it still is in order. You know that that would that would be the case. But I just don't. Casey okay. Bohr. Casey Bohr. That's who they're gonna. That, that's who they're gonna retire. That's okay. Retire. You know what? I can't believe we went this long without saying his name. He. This has got to be up in the rafters. We got to get Jeff Finger up there. <laughs> like that's obvious. So, so like, obvious. I don't know why we missed that. Yeah, you know, I don't know why I missed Jeff Finger. Edit but, this but, podcast and, and do that. <laughs> just edit in like right at the beginning of the bit. Just go Jeff Jeff Finger. Yep, yep. What what I'm gonna do? I'll, I'll try to take a picture and Photoshop a banner of Jeff Finger right next to. But instead <laughs> of his number, what what number did he wear? It doesn't matter. Whatever the number is, just <laughs> instead of the number, put the middle finger as that's, <laughs> that's what you retire. Like, <laughs> and underneath have the infamous uh, finger bang sign with the f- <laughs> with the finger that the dog used to have. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Those good times, good times. Indeed. Trying to think. I know the um I know this is gonna be riveting podcasts for everyone. If I'm looking through the media guide right now, I know the like they wore this number at SCSU. I should just know it off the top of my head. That was the that was the old bit from the first that was the old run bit, of the yeah. podcast. We would do that every week. I don't know how we would choose the numbers, but you 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 were on top of it. It was it was a good bit. And I'm ta- I'm not good at numbers. Like I I'm good during the season, but then he asked me who wore number eight in the 2010 season. I'm like I have no clue. I have no clue. Like what? I don't even remember. Well, Lash was 19, right? I'm like, I'm Fresh, only... Lash was 19 and 25. 25 when he first came in, and then 19. What was LeBlanc? Was he 13? Yeah, I can't even remember. I'm, I'm not good at this game. You're better at it, but... For some reason, I'm thinking 13, but that, maybe that's just the year that he no. won the Hobie. Maybe that's what Yeah, I'm that was the year he won... I can't remember what his name or what his number was. Yes. I mean, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have how many people just yelling at us right now? Twenty nine. That's what it was. Okay. See, I would have said like Farragher would have been twenty nine. Like twenty nine is more of a goalie number, I think. Kind of a weird number for a forward. But I don't look up here. We could go all night on this. No, that's just, right. Farringer was twenty nine. Maybe it was his first couple of years, LeBlanc. Like, not even his Hobie year. Did he also wear 19? Did Lash and LeBlanc wear the same number? They might have. It's possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a... They overlapped probably a year or two, but... Jeff Finger was number eight. Okay. So. I, I, my number was eight. For all my sports, so uh, I have a I have an affinity for fellow eights. So yeah, me and Finger. You so you and Jeff Finger, there you go. That's right. Um, top five NHL games for Huskies. Obviously, Cullen and Hedekin one and two. Number three, Mark Parrish. Number four, Ryan Malone, and number five, Matt Hendricks. Okay. So 
Yeah, but I think yeah, I don't see those three. No, I don't again, so. in, unless they set up a foundation and donate a bunch of money to the to the university, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Of those three, maybe Parrish because he's been more connected with the program afterwards, being a color guy and and all that. But um, yeah, it's uh, I don't see it anytime soon. Uh, next question. Uh, friend of the show, Dan Jacobson. Are you more happy when North Dakota doesn't make the tournament or Minnesota Duluth? That's a, that's a great question. I will be equally happy for two completely different reasons. One for North Dakota, not making it. I'll be happy because it's just chaos in North Dakota. Their fans don't know how to react. They don't like it's just just pandemonium. I like that. Anytime there's uncertainty in, in Grand Forks, I'm happy. Uh for Minnesota Duluth, just because they're just sneaky, they're a tough out in the tournament. Like I don't want to play them in, yes. in the NCAA tournament. So I'm gonna be happy that they're not in it just for that reason. Agreed with the Duluth point. I'll add this to the, and I'll say the correct answer to this question is yes. <laughs> like both of them, both of them out is, is the very correct, true is, is good. Uh, and, and agreed on your Duluth point. I'll add to the Dakota point is that would mean that they do not play in their own regional, which yes. I think is, is nice uh, having them not play in Fargo. You know, seeing as the Huskies played a regional final in Fargo against North Dakota, I don't even care if this this North Dakota team isn't as good as that team was or as good as a lot of Dakota teams were in the past. I just don't I don't like playing a host team in their I don't like playing a host team in their in a, in a regional. So that's another factor that I, I think would would be nice uh, not to play them. But yeah, it'd be nice to, to see Duluth sit one out too like mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah it of those yeah Duluth's like down at 37 or so in pairwise now so it's a, i don't even know if it's even a fair question to say which of these two teams do you think if if one of them is going to emerge who's it going to be uh yeah that it, no Duluth, Duluth needs to win the tournament uh, i don't there's no way which i mean if there's any team that can look pretty blah for a while, but then snap their fingers and play real good defense for two weeks. It's them. But God, don't don't even kid about this. I think if we say it enough, it's like the reverse jinx. Like we say how much okay. it's possible, maybe then we're we're jinxing them in some regard. So yeah, it's it would just be nice not to have and and from North Dakota's perspective, you know, this isn't brand new them missing a tournament because they, they they missed two in a row you know not counting the COVID year um I, I think the two number one overall seed years for St. Cloud I think both of those years North Dakota missed the tournament um so this wouldn't be and that would that had snapped like a 20-year streak of them making the tournament 15 yep. years or so um so this wouldn't be the first time in decades that they had missed the tournament. But considering the 
expectations that they had coming into this year. I don't think that those expectations were the same in those two years that they missed the tournament a few years ago, 18 and 19. I hate to be the, the, the typical Twitter guy, but does uh, Barry, is he feeling some heat? He's on the hot seat here. Uh, just because I, I don't like you look at those 18 and 19 seasons who they're who they're throwing out there. It was not I don't think they had the same amount of talents they do in these teams in this year's team. Uh, and for them to miss the tournament and or especially if they're like I, I always thought it was like when we were saying when the Huskies swept them they're at seventh place like that's not going to last. They're obviously going to get out of seventh place. We just mentioned it. Like they're not, they're not out of seven. They're not going to get out of six at most for several weeks. Like it would take a sweep of theirs and Western getting swept. Even if that happens this weekend, they would still not be above Western. So it's going to take them a while to to get out of their hole that they've dug here. And it's very possible. Like I said, it's getting late quick. Very possible that they don't really rise too far out of seventh if that so i don't know um north dakota is a program with sky high expectations and if uh, barry turns in a this kind of dud uh it it might it might be enough to push him over the edge and and to make a move i don't know uh i i hate to be that guy but it has been on my mind just how they're losing too like he's been he's been kind of a i mean he was a defenseman as a player and kind of had that M.O., the, these teams are just absolutely awful defensively. And, and this doesn't, it's not just this year. Uh, looking at goaltending, too, these issues go back multiple years now. So it's not just this batch of players necessarily. It seems to be more, more of a, a larger issue. So I, I don't know. It's, uh, and again, I don't, uh, it's not like what I a really world. relish someone to get fired, but it, <laughs> yeah, from a North, North Dakota, Dakota. If, if it's North Dakota, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to cry too much. Um, what a world it would be, uh, Brad Berry at a 6.46 win percentage there at North Dakota, and you know a natty under his belt. You know, doesn't coach next season, and Granado is still behind yeah. the bench at Wisconsin. Oh, I want, I want to see that happen. <laughs> Maybe uh, Barry could uh, get a job from Hack, you know, the uh, high-flying Seattle Kraken. Uh, right, exactly. Maybe he's got some room on his staff. Bolt, anchored uh, by anchored by Will Borgen. That's right. That's right. So, but uh, uh, one last question here from uh, Jason Bryant. Uh, you know, a uh, friend of the show, avid listener, and uh, Husky announcer. PA announcer, why is college hockey freaking awesome? Um, I am so happy to hear you say that, uh, considering you had to watch Saturday's game. So yes. <laughs> for you to still be excited about college hockey is great. Um, yeah, if you thought uh, college hockey was, uh, uh, was you know, just the talent that's going to be coming up here this weekend is going to be uh, pretty mind blowing. So yeah, you're gonna have uh, quite the treat, um, and it's uh, always nice to see a college hockey, uh, you know, convert and whatnot. You know, uh, wrestling is his background, and um, he does a lot of work um, also with the uh, with the blog and the and the show as well. So it's um, it it's 
you know, the the reason why I love it so much is just I love the football aspect of it where it's one team, one weekend. And I honestly think it kind of makes the winter fly by. I mean, to think we're already halfway through January um, and really getting in the meat of the season um, and just no shortage of surprises year in, year out. That's why I love it. So, Yeah, I would say for me, a big factor is the the big schools plus the small schools factor. You know, obviously, I mean, I was a college hockey fan before I went to St. Cloud, but being at St. Cloud State, having the opportunity to watch, you know, the Gophers and Wisconsin and and North Dakota and these, it's, it's a variance of types of schools. You know, you got Big Ten schools, and then you have a, a school like North Dakota, which isn't like a big school nationally. Um, but in the college hockey landscape, they are sort of this traditional power. Same as like Denver as well. I think you could lump them into that category. But you got D3 teams like CC. You got D2 teams like St. Cloud. You got D1 teams like the Big Ten schools. All sort of in the same, you know, competing for the same title. And I, I feel like that's a unique aspect of college of college hockey within college sports. Um, you know, you, obviously you have a college football, but they're all kind of segregated by the classes. You know, congratulations, by the way, to your Jackrabbits. Hey, um, my Jackrabbits. But uh, it's was able to win the uh, the the one double A. Not called one AA anymore, uh, FCS, FCS or whatever it is. But it's like you know, in college hockey, the equivalent there would be the you know, South Dakota State would be playing Georgia, you know, for in in the Frozen Four or something of of college football. If 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 college hockey was replicated in college football, and I I would bet on Georgia to win that game. By the way, I'm sorry to say, but uh, <laughs> but at least in college hockey, they, they it's, it's right. uh, there is a parity factor and a leveling um, between big and small. You know, team like Union can win the national title over a team like Minnesota. It's like the miracle on ice, if you will. So you have that sort of possibility. Uh, and that I think is really, uh, really interesting. And so um, that's sort of my. I know maybe I come on here every weekend and I, you know, I'm bitching and moaning about the NCAA tournament. Why don't they change this? Why don't they change that? I hate the overtime rules. Kind of, I, I do maybe too much of that. I, I, I have to, uh, I have to say though that this, this is a, a true sort of passion and, and love. Uh, of NCAA hockey, and so I, I, I do enjoy the question. It's uh, it's a good reminder of why I'm why I'm here and why am I why I'm doing this and why I'm spending the time here every week here uh, with you. Uh, and and you can you listen. You're a good listener to my rants. So I'll I'll give you that, and and uh, I hope I'm a good listener to yours as well. I'm sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I don't. I don't think I could top that. So, um, so that about does her then, uh, for this episode of the Husky Sack Podcast. So, um, thank you for listening. You can catch me on Twitter at more clappers, M O A R, more clappers. Andrew, where can you be reached? You can email me at huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds good. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo!